MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders, and today we are going to take a look at the NBA awards voting, Ricky, because uh, we are going to get the end of the regular season happening uh, here in just a little bit. So it's pretty much all but confirmed that uh, the NBA season is going to finish. There, there are a couple stragglers. Uh, Ky- we, we heard that uh, Kyrie Irving is encouraging players to start their own league. Uh, Dwight Howard voiced some reservations about uh, playing the rest of the season, which are totally understandable, right? These guys have uh, totally have the right to protect their bodies, have the right to protect their health, have the right to voice their concerns as far as social justice and civil unrest. I hope they find a way to work it out, but this is going to be a, uh, a forward-thinking show just talking about the the basketball on the floor. We're going to do MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, our all-NBA teams, uh, and uh, Ricky, this is this is the stuff that people want, right? This is People love to argue about uh, who deserves the awards in the NBA. Yeah, and I think we actually will have some arguments here. Like, I think there are some clear-cut winners, but there are some dark horses, and I think all defensive player will be fun because we get to argue, like, are they going to award this based on, you know, the offensive stats, or are they going to go purely based on defense? I think that'll be a fun one to talk about. So, yeah, it's it's much better to talk about the game on the floor than to talk about, you know, Kyrie Irving's opinion about whether the league should start. Right. Yeah, that uh, that is definitely true. So I think that we should start with the conversation that everyone cares about the most, which is MVP. Uh, the MVP tracker that basketball reference has, I, I really enjoy this as a tool. Um, I, I think that uh, does a great job of, you know, trying to strip out a lot of the narrative based arguments and really just making arguments about what the guys have 
done on the floor. It seems like Giannis is just going to cakewalk into winning the most valuable player this year. Rick, it, it, I don't I don't really know if anyone else is even that serious of a contender. I, I feel like this is going to be, you know, he gets first place on probably 90% of the votes. Yeah, I mean, like the guy who usually is the one who's talked about is James Harden. But if you remember, there were some serious shooting slumps this year from James Harden. I mean, he ended up shooting under 44% from the field, which, you know, is to be expected on a team where he's just launching in order to keep them competitive. So, you know, from the way that they play, like it makes sense that he wouldn't have a great shooting season, but he's had better shooting seasons in a similar role before. So I know he led the league in points by a lot, 34.4 points per game compared to Giannis's 29.6. And they run a Harden-centric offense that works for him. But the same can be said for Milwaukee, the way they run their offense with Giannis, where they have guys spread around him. But instead of Harden, you know, the step-back three with Giannis, it's mostly just attacking the rim. And you've got him, you know, having just an outstanding season defensively. Uh, I don't really think there is anyone close. I mean, the other names that I think we could talk about are LeBron, uh, who went to a Lakers team that was awful and really propelled them to – just being a solid team, 49 and 14. Uh, he did average about 26 points per game. You get the assists with him that you don't get with Giannis. In, ter- in fact, he almost doubled him, 10.6 assists per game compared to 5.8. But Giannis, obviously one of the best rebounders in the game you don't get with LeBron. And LeBron, I mean, he had that other superstar in Anthony Davis. So really, was he as valuable to that team as Giannis was? When you see their record, 48 and 9 with Giannis, 5 and 3, almost a 500 team without Giannis. I think it's pretty obvious that Giannis should be the MVP. So to give people some context why someone might argue for James Harden, he uh, played 36 minutes a night. Giannis played 30.9 minutes a night. Now, of course, the argument is, well, you know, Giannis was so, imp- you know, so impactful, so important for the Bucks when he was on the floor. You know, obviously they're going to they're going to have way more blowout games, you know, nights where Giannis is playing 24 minutes because they're winning by 40 points in the third quarter. But James Harden, I think the the argument to me would be the Rockets literally cannot win without him. You know, without James Harden, it turns into, you know, Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers and, you know, PJ Tucker having to take shots. Like we saw a couple games where Harden was not able to play. And, uh, you know, obviously Russell Westbrook was a lot better in those minutes, but Russell Westbrook is, you know, you know, he has won an MVP and I'm very happy for him, but is no longer uh, an MVP caliber player. And Harden's numbers, uh, 22 field goal attempts per game, shot 43% from the floor. But I mean, this is a crazy stat, shot 35% from three-point range on 12.6 attempts per game. Uh, You know, that is the best three-point percentage of anyone in the top five in MVP voting. You know, better than Giannis, better than LeBron, better than Doncic, better than, uh, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, those kind of guys. So pretty impressive for him to be able to, uh, to rack all of that up. And the argument for LeBron is, you know, it's Ricky, it's kind of similar to the Michael Jordan arguments, right, where... I mean, do we really think that LeBron is is not the most valuable player in the NBA? Like, I, I know Giannis is incredible. Uh, Giannis averaging uh, 54% field goal percentage, only shooting 30% from three, 29 points a game, 13 rebounds a game, 5.8 assists per game, one block, one steal. 
you know, I I still do sort of believe, though, you know, one game, one scenario, I would rather have LeBron than any player at the world, even though he's 34 years old. And I, I think that some voters will think that way. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I think you made an interesting point with, like, James Harden, what the Rockets are with him off the floor. Because I think a similar case can be made for Luka Doncic, who's probably yeah. top five uh, in this race. You look at James Harden, he missed three games this year. The team was one and two without him. So, like you mentioned, it was it was very difficult for them. Uh, but how about the Mavericks? 34-20 and 20 with Luka Doncic, 6-7 and seven without Luka. So, another you know, scenario where without the star player, they were just an absolute mess. Now, part of like what I like to do here is think like, you know, with all these guys, if Giannis was not on the Bucks and it was James Harden, what would their record look like? They might score more points, but I think they're a better team with Giannis, which is crazy to say, because I think James Harden might be the best offensive player in NBA history. And then Luka Doncic, I think they're clearly a better team right now with the way that Giannis defends and can go both way, you know, can go or can play offense and can play defense pretty strongly as well. So, yeah, I think what you're saying for the one game, I I think even, you know, as old as LeBron is, because he's LeBron, I feel best about him, the versatility, just the ability to dish the ball when needed, where Giannis, I mean, if a team can figure him out, um, you know, basically, you just need to protect the rim when it comes to Giannis. Of course, he's a good passer as well. I just think LeBron gives you basically everything on the floor. You look at the three-point percentage was basically a half a percentage point higher than Giannis's. So if he has, you know, things break down and he has to take a three-point shot, you feel better about him. Just when it comes to this year's NBA, you know, NBA MVP award, the Bucks were awesome. Giannis was awesome. Uh, I just don't know how you go in any of these different directions, but I do think it's fun to argue after Giannis, like what the order would be that we would rank them, because I think a lot of people are going to have a bunch of different opinions. That's uh, that's sort of an interesting comparison between Doncic and Giannis because their teams have to build around them, but in very different ways. You know, Giannis, not a good three-point shooter, shoots uh, th- uh, 30% from three on 4.8 attempts per game. Doncic is more of a volume shooter, though he is only shooting 32% from, uh, from three this year. But, you know, theoretically you can actually play non-shooters with Doncic because he himself is a good shooter, but you want more 3 and D guys because you just want to have Doncic use, like he, he should have the ball in his hands at all times. And the way that the, um, the way that the, Mavericks have approached that is to actually play him with point guards. You know, they play him with J.J. Barea and DeLon Wright and Seth Curry, which I think in the... Uh, you know, 90th percentile outcomes for Luka Doncic, you actually want him playing point guard instead. I, like, I think that I think that as the Mavericks continue their team building, they will, you know, they will go after more guys who are wings as opposed to point guards. And Giannis, you actually you would want point guards with him. You don't want you don't want him to uh like you you need to you need to create as much space for him as possible. Uh you want to use him as the role man and pick and roll. So I think I mean the fact that those are like the two best young stars in the NBA is uh is pretty interesting to me. I think that my ballot, Ricky, would go Giannis first, Harden second, James third, Doncic fourth, and, you know, I I actually do think that it would be, for me, 
I think I would put Kawhi fifth, and I know that's that's probably not going to be a super popular opinion because Kawhi, you know, he sat out a bunch of time. He's had uh, and really not even playing the absolute best basketball of his career or anything like that. But I I, th- I just think that there is such an argument that he is so talented. You know, obviously winning the NBA Finals last season. Um, like I I think he deserves to be on the ballot. Yeah, it's it's another one where it's like there's two superstars there, but Paul George did miss an extended time, and you did propel this Clippers team that was forever just mediocre into being a perennial like championship contender. So that's obviously extremely valuable to the city of Los Angeles and this organization. It's just a matter of was he more valuable than someone like Nikola Jokic was to the Denver Nuggets? And if we're going just on value without him to the team. Uh, I guess Plumlee is, a, is like a, a usable backup. I just don't think you're winning anywhere near as many games without him. I guess the same could be said for Kawhi Leonard, but Paul George can kind of anchor that team. It's pretty much a toss-up for me. I have the same pretty much top four. And then it's like, do we go Kawhi Leonard? Do we go Anthony Davis? Or do we go Nikola Jokic? And I think there's a case to be made for Jokic that he doesn't get enough love. The question I, I is, like I like the case for Jokic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fine. Yeah, I I think I would go Kawhi ahead of him. I just really don't like the lack of respect that Jokic gets. Um. Yeah. I mean, Jokic is a tremendous player. I think the thing that is going to hurt Jokic is Giannis, great defender. LeBron, great defender. Um, Harden, not actually, Harden, a bad defender, Anthony Davis, good defender, Doncic, bad defender, Kawhi, great defender, you know, uh, Butler, very good defender. So like the, the, the case you start poking with Jokic is, well, he doesn't really shoot three pointers. He shoots, um, he shoots three and a half per game, shoots 31% on those. And he's not a great defensive player. And he plays a position where, you know, the backups, generally speaking, are able to provide similar output to the starters, at least in terms of offensive numbers. You know, if if the Nuggets chose to run their offense through Paul Millsap or Mason Plumlee, um, yes, they would be a worse team. Like, they would not win nearly as many games because the offense would suffer. But I think, like, Mason Plumlee, if he played 38 minutes a night and had a, uh, you know, 28% usage rate, he could probably be a 20-10 and 10 guy, right? Like, he could do his best Kevin Love impression just because of the way that uh, the basketball functions. So that is our discussion on the MVP. When we return, we will discuss these guys a little bit further as we transition to our NBA first, second, and third all-NBA teams. Going to go ahead and head into our first break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. See you guys on the other side. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. Returning from our first break, this is Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. Went over our MVP finalists ending in the first segment. Now going to move to our all-NBA teams. Uh, so... I think the the locks for first team All NBA Ricky are LeBron, Harden, and Giannis. And I think that you can obviously you could uh, you could cheat the system a little bit and place LeBron at either guard or forward. And I think there is an argument for center as well. Um, do you agree with me that those uh, LeBron, Harden, and Giannis are the three locks for first team All NBA? Yeah, I mean, you could use the Harden's, you know, poor shooting season against him if you really wanted to. He was your NBA leader in points per game, and it was extensive. But, like, comparatively to other Harden seasons, I guess it wasn't that far below his career average. He's a career 44.2% shooter from the field. He's just been over 44% the past few years. Last year, he was at 36 points per game, shooting 44.2%. So if we were crowning him last year, I think we got to crown him as a first team, you know, all NBA guy this year as well. Yeah. So he is, uh, he is on there for me. Um, Are you placing LeBron on your first team as a guard or a forward? I kind of want him as a center, so you don't even have to choose from the center, so you could get Luca on the team. But I think I'm probably playing him as a forward to make sure Luca is on that team because I think Luca is deserving. I know Kawhi Leonard was excellent this year; he was kind of banged up, but I think that I would want Luca on my my all first team over Kawhi, which is kind of crazy, but, you know, Luca, one of the few all-around guys who reminds me of, like, a Hardener Giannis, so I think I would play LeBron at forward. Well, you can you can slot Doncic in as a forward as well. You know, he yeah. started games, at, he started games at point guard, he started games at, uh, at small forward for, uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, so my first team is Doncic at guard, James Harden at guard, Giannis at uh, small forward, LeBron at power forward. And um, 
I am so undecided on the center spot. I think that this could be Anthony Davis. I think that this could be Jokic. I'm going to give it to Jokic just because I want to live in a world where Nikola Jokic is a first team all NBA center. And and I also agree with the widespread belief in uh, basketball Twitter that Jokic gets underrated by the uh, you know he gets underrated by the large like the the big media big NBA you know the guys they they like to make fun of him his his highlights don't play as well on uh, you know his highlights don't play as well on Sports Center as Anthony Davis's mics you know he's not flying above the rim and slamming home alley oops so for me Doncic James Giannis LeBron Jokic is uh, is my first team All NBA. Yeah, so I just want to say something about Jokic is that, like, the same people who loved, like, Mo Vaughn and, like, David Wells are the ones that think, like, Nikola Jokic is overrated because of his stature. Uh, but first of all, he's lost a lot of weight during this time off. So Have you I seen think... these pictures of him? He yeah. looks, looks like uh, He looks like Porzingis now. He looks like David Hasselhoff running on the beach. You just got to get some slow-mo with Nikola Jokic now, and, and I think it would be a fine time, but... So here's the thing about, like, these centers. I mean, basically the center that just stands by the basket and receives alley-oops is a thing of the past. Like, Clint yeah. Capella, they couldn't really get rid of Clint Capella fast enough. They, The Rockets decided to go with a six foot six P.J. Tucker, who's basically a small forward, playing him at center instead of playing, like, the old NBA's version of a center at center. So with Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic, you get two guys who are not that. I mean, Anthony Davis can be that, a guy you can throw lobs to, but he's also a really good mid-range shooter, uh, and he's got a three-point shot to his game. I mean, Anthony Davis took a career-high three-and-a-half three-pointers per game, and no one really noticed, by the way. 33.5% from beyond the arc. Third straight year, he was over 33% from beyond the arc. That was actually better than Jokic. 26.7 points per game. He's probably the better defender of the two. The thing with Jokic is, can you imagine having a team of superstars and getting him the ball to the top of the key? And these guys are able to work themselves open. Someone like Luka or James Harden, uh, or they're moving off screens. It just would be absolutely unfair. But at the same time, like if you have a rim protector with Anthony Davis with that team, that also is unfair because you're going at guys like Giannis and Anthony Davis who are just not going to let you get to the rim. So it is a really tough decision for me. Just to be different, I think I'll go Anthony Davis just because you basically have four great passers. But it's just me building the context of a team rather than like the context of Anthony Davis versus Nikola Jokic's season. So I just I want to I want to make this point because it's fascinating. So if you go back to the beginning of PJ Tucker's career, he was uh, he was drafted by Toronto in the 2006 season, and then he went to play in all of these leagues that he played in: Israel, Ukraine. Greece, Italy, and Germany. Uh, so that's from 2007 to 2012. He comes back to the NBA in 2013. What position do you think he played in the NBA in 2012-2013 for the Phoenix Suns? Shooting guard? He played 78% of his minutes at shooting guard for <laughs> that for that Phoenix Suns team. So he was playing with uh, Goran Dragic, uh, Marcin Gortat, Jared Dudley, and Luis Scola starting at shooting guard for that team uh, actually like kind of alternating minutes with Shannon Brown and now he is legitimately uh he is the starting center for a team that is 
you know, likely going to be a favorite to um, make the, like, literally is, is you know, has a chance to make the NBA Finals, probably is going to make the uh, Western Conference Finals. Just, uh, it just really illustrates how much the game has changed. Uh, you know, literally, I mean, even over the last five years, his position changed four slots as a result of that. It's just crazy. Yeah, just to be fair, it's really the Rockets who have committed to this the most. Like, other teams are still trying to find big men to at least play that position who can do other things. But, I mean, this is why I don't think the Rockets are a true contender. A team that's firing shots from beyond the arc, I do think you want an offensive rebounder. Someone, like we've argued on this show before, like a Dennis Rodman or the modern-day version of Dennis Rodman. Someone who could get you those rebounds and get you those second-chance shots as opposed to you shooting all these lower-percentage shots with guys like James Harden. I I just don't think that's going to work against a team like the Bucs who can rebound very well. The Clippers are, are a decent rebounding team. Obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, along with you know their centers, uh, I think they're just going to have a hard time being competitive against the league's best, even though they're a fun offense to watch. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think that's probably true. So moving to our to moving to our second team now. Um, I think Damian Lillard is a lock for second team. I mean, he was just having, uh, he was having an absolutely phenomenal season before uh, things, uh, you know, before things went sideways. I think Pascal Siakam is a lock. I think Jimmy Butler is a lock. And because both of us did not put Anthony Davis on our first team, I think that Anthony Davis is a lock. And I think this fifth spot, I mean, it could go to, I mean, I think you could literally put there are 20 guys in the conversation for second team guard and third team all NBA guard or forward as well. Like, I think there are so many guys that fit here. Yeah, and it just depends on, like, whether you care about their quality of team and how committed they are to defense. It seems like a lot of the next options are guys who you're pretty much punting defense if you're not going, like— uh, the Doncic, Lillard, Siakam, Butler, foursome, then you're probably you know replacing one of them with Bradley Beal, Trey Young, potentially a Devin Booker. You know guys like those. I guess Russell Westbrook, who's a guy who scored over 27 points per game and was really good in those games that Harden missed. But Bradley Beal, over 30 points per game, don't you feel like he belongs on this team? It's just a matter of that Wizards team was so brutal. Um, But he really became like a true all-around player. With John Wall out, there was no question this was Bradley Beal's team. I remember discussing in years past that like when John Wall sits out, Bradley Beal has actually been worse. You know, he, he would, you know, take an uptick in the usage, but he would shoot poorly. That was not the case this past season. Almost 46% from the field, beyond 35% from the arc, while he was the clear target for defenses, you know, with this team. Like, they had Davis Bertans who could hit an open three, and they had a bunch of other guys that were useful. But Bradley Beal was their weapon, and teams just couldn't stop him. I mean, I remember there was a stretch where you were playing Bradley Beal every day in daily fantasy. He wasn't playing much defense, but just offensively, if we're going to give Harden, you know, the first team, I feel like Beal belongs on the second team so i actually agree with you that is not um that's not the consensus way that these things have uh have shaken out most of the people who are voting for all team nba have put chris paul russell westbrook uh over those guys i i'm with you though beal beal for me deserves to be second team or third team all nba for sure so i think that for me the second team all nba it's got to be beal Lillard, Siakam, Butler, and Anthony Davis, and I, I, I mean, maybe the the um, 
you know, the sentimentalist in me wants to put Russell Westbrook here because I love Russell Westbrook. I think he's so great. Uh, and when, when Harden was missing time for the Rockets, it really was Westbrook and a bunch of dudes. Like, at least when Harden's healthy, he knows that he can go to the bench for 10 minutes a game and there's going to be someone else who will be able to do some scoring. But when Harden was out, it was Westbrook and, I mean, just the, the cast of some of the worst characters you can find in the NBA. Like, it was a, a tough, tough scene for non-Russell Westbrook Rockets over that point. So I, I, kind of, I kind of would like to give Westbrook that spot out of sentimentality. Wait, does that mean you're leaving Kawhi off your second team? Because I think you had Doncic on oh, your first team. You're yeah. right. You're right. So so for me, that means Siakam is third team and Kawhi is second team. So I misspoke there. Good catch, yeah. Ricky. Yeah. So we're putting we're putting Kawhi on the second team and moving Siakam down to the third team. Yeah, I think my second team is Lillard, Beal, Doncic, Kawhi. And then whichever center you didn't choose for the first team. I think I said Anthony Davis, so I'll put Jokic here, but they're really interchangeable. Yeah. So I, I think the consensus second team, what most people wind up doing, I think a lot of people will have Kawhi on that first team. So the consensus second team all NBA will be something like Doncic, Lillard, uh, either Siakam or Kawhi, uh, Jimmy Butler, and then Anthony Davis or Jokic. And and I kind of think that the positional eligibilities are very friendly to the centers here because then, you know, we start talking about guys like uh, Bam Adebayo is being, you know, if you, if you count Anthony Davis as a forward and you really like Anthony Davis, you can move him there. So uh, through, through two teams for the all NBA, we have nominated LeBron James, James Harden, Giannis, uh, Kawhi, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, uh, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal as our candidates. And when we get back from break, we will start diving into some of the other NBA teams. We'll talk about the rookies. We will go through our third team, all NBA, look at our defensive player of the year. I think we'll have some really interesting conversations with third team, all NBA, because there are just way less answers here. And it becomes more about what do you value? You know, do you value a guy who puts up crazy numbers on a bad team? Do you value a guy who's part of one of the winningest teams in the NBA? So, you know, we start looking at some of the Bucks tertiary players, some of the Boston Celtics. But we are going to go ahead and head into our break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we will continue with our discussion of the all NBA teams for 2020. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Manick, joined by Ricky Sanders, continuing our countdown of the All NBA teams in 2020. Getting to uh, the getting to the fun stuff now, Ricky. Getting to the point where we can argue about guys. We are to the third team of the All-NBA. I think the only guy that we've discussed thus far that uh, is now on our third team is Pascal Siakam, but we went ahead and put uh, Bradley Beal on our second team All-NBA. Again, not uh, not a popular consensus selection. So we're sitting here looking at, uh, at third team All-NBA. What are uh, some of the names that come to your mind for third team All-NBA guards? I think Trey Young has to be up there. I mean, Trey Young just took his game to another level. Without John Collins, he was the only show in town. And it was not a great team by any means. It was a team that was playing in fast-paced games, and Trey Young's not known as a defender. But nine and a half threes per game, over 36% three-point percentage from a guy who was launching literally from half court at times. I mean, Trey Young was just ridiculous where he would spot up from, and he almost averaged 30 points per game. So I think, you know, he's not a first or second teamer because of his deficiencies, but in terms of third team, I think we've got to put him here. Uh, Other guards, it depends on where you classify some of these guys. I mean, Devin Booker is excellent. Another guy who's defensively void enough that I think we could probably leave him off this team if we start talking about other guys, but Devin Booker, you know, just another guy, you know, if you think Devin Booker, you don't think like a pure point guard, but he had 6.6 assists per game this year with Ricky Rubio there. So he was able to, you know, kind of take that to the next level. But I think forwards easier to talk about because there are some guys who are clearly deserving here. You mentioned Siakam. I think Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, and Chris Middleton are the three forwards that deserve that other spot. 
And I'm not exactly sure how to rank them because I think for future value, Jason Tatum is clearly the guy who is ascending the most. Brandon Ingram had his day in the the sun until Zion Williamson returned, and then he kind of struggled to figure out how to do it with him. And the team became, I think, a better overall team, but Brandon Ingram's performance went down. And then Chris Middleton is just part of one of the best teams in the entire league. I mean, he held his own without Giannis. We saw his numbers increase. He was just ridiculous. Uh, So I think it's that trio. And my gut says Tatum, even just for this year, just because of what he was turning into as the season was was going on. He was turning into like their true number one score. So I think the the only locks for me on third team All-NBA are Chris Middleton and Jason Tatum. So I, I am definitely a Tatum believer. I think that he will, with a little bit more seasoning, turn into pretty much one of the five best players in the NBA. He's got to work on his... Uh, three-point shooting, obviously, you know, he is a a decent three-point shooter, but not a great one, and he needs to get to the free throw line, you know, just a little bit more, something that he has, you know, talked about publicly, right? He's been like, you know, that that's something that the coaches want me to work on. That's something that I want to work on. I want to be better at, uh, at, at getting to the free throw. And, you know, I think the fact that he plays on a team where so many guys have the same job, so, you know, basically, he... Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Gordon Hayward pretty much all play the same position. And, you know, some they play with Kemba Walker, and they play with Enos Cantor or Daniel Theis. And, like, the those three guys rotate positions. Sometimes the Celtics play a lineup with all four of them, and they play Jalen or Hayward as the, uh, the quote-unquote point guard in those lineups. And I, 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 Ricky, I wonder, you know, if we put Tatum on the Rockets and we had him play... Harden's job I mean how good do we think that he would be like we think he would be pretty phenomenal right now maybe he would not shoot as many three-pointers and he would be, he would be shooting more you know 20 footers or uh whatever and that would uh that would make him you know not an MVP candidate or whatever but I mean do you think the fact that there are so many overlapping skill sets on that Celtics team do you think that uh you know uh, harms him I mean, if you asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said yes. But watching how his performance progressed, I don't think so. I think, you know, even with so many similar skill sets, by the time the NBA season had gone to pass, this was Jason Tatum's team. I mean, Kemba Walker was the guy you thought was going to step in and kind of be that guy. And all of a sudden, we were talking about Jason Tatum over 20 points per game. Mind you, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, uh, remember he had a the lower body issue that cost him some time. Uh, I mean, there were, there was times where Jason Tatum had to act as the guy, but even when everyone returned, Jason Tatum, you know, taking a majority of the shots, I mean, improving that three point shot, which I mean, it still could use improvement, but he was almost 40% last year. Uh, So that was really impressive to me. And like you said, I think he has the ability looking at this, you know, all of a sudden like elite, scoring setup for him he has the ability to be a top five player in the nba so yes the skill sets are similar and yes at the beginning of the year it looked like no one was going to separate but you took gordon hayward out for a while and jason tatum became the number one jalen brown became like the secondary guy if they needed him who could attack the basket and gordon hayward was like the all-around player so i think the roles developed to where tatum actually was the number one guy yeah, I, I I think that is. I think that's probably true. So Middleton, Tatum, no arguments there. Uh, these are the guards, I think, that are candidates. Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, Donovan Mitchell, and 
Ben Simmons. Let, let us not forget that Ben Simmons is actually a point guard, even if uh, he doesn't shoot. For me, Trey Young, not going to make it. The Hawks are too bad. Trey Young is too bad on defense. Um, I, I Trey Young's time will come. He will make an all-NBA team in his career. I, I agree with you that he is a phenomenal uh, you know, offensive player, right? He is one of the driving forces of unfortunately a bad team. And, and, you know, just like it took John Wall and Bradley Beal and, and Devin Booker time for, uh, you know, the NBA to recognize how great they are. It's going to take a little bit of time for Trey Young as well. I mean, just comparing guys on bad teams who are good offensive guards. I mean, I would go, I would go Devin Booker over Trey Young as productive guard on a bad team. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that take? I would go Trey Young from this year only, and I'm like a Devin Booker fanboy, but I just think the way Trey Young kept that team in games, uh, they did lose some some games horribly, but the fact that you look at the the supporting cast around Trey Young, it was a bunch of rookies. Uh, When John Collins was out, it was a bunch of nobodies. It was Jabari Parker who didn't play any defense. It was uh, a grouping of centers who you would never have any faith in, and Trey Young was able to score enough in games where they had no business being in that, that he could keep a group of basically subpar NBA players competitive at all the fact that they didn't lose every single game was was impressive enough to me um but i think jimmy butler who we left off the other teams i think i kind of overlooked him he probably no we we put him on the second team okay we officially did then then i don't feel as bad um okay then yeah then trey young i do think belongs here but you know there's there's no one in their right mind that would call Trey Young like an all-around player. It's just because of his elite offensive skill set cancels out his def- defensive flaws to a degree. If you had to guess right now, where do you think Trey Young stands in usage rate amongst all NBA players? <sighs> he was way up there. I would say way up third. There. Third? Fourth. Uh, so Giannis at 37%, 37 30- 37.4, Doncic at 37, Harden 36.4, Trey Young 34.9. Uh, there are 14 guys who are above 30%. Trey Young is uh, Trey Young is one of them. And you know what's you know what's interesting, Rick? We've been having this whole conversation. We have yet to mention. I mean, we just mentioned Ben Simmons, but we haven't mentioned Joel Embiid. We have not mentioned, uh, we you know, just gave a small mention there to uh, to our boy Ben, haven't talked Horford, and haven't talked Tobias Harris. And, you know, theoretically, the 76ers are supposed to be one of the five or six best teams in the NBA. They're supposed to have all these duds. I mean, Joel Embiid has a 32% usage rate. Uh, he has 5.6 win shares this year. That is the same as Trey Young. Uh, and that is, you know, that is with less game time, right? That is with only playing in 44 games. His win shares per 48 for Embiid is really high, right? He is, you know, more than Chris Paul, more than, uh, you know, a lot of these other guys. And we also have not mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. Like, it seems crazy to have gone through all this conversation and not mention either of those guys. And I have, um, I have a, a, I always do this with third team all NBA I actually always, when I when I do this, I put Rudy Gobert out as my third team All NBA center because the only reason the center position still exists in the NBA pretty much is defense. Like the the guys who are incredible defenders are the centers that you would want on your team, and I don't think there is a 
I don't think there's been a better defensive player in the NBA the last five years than Gobert. Teams do not make buckets at the rim against Utah. They just don't. It just does not happen. Yeah, so I think the media might be hard-pressed to vote Gobert because they kind yeah, of Gobert's feel like... Yeah, not winning any awards this year. They kind of feel like he caused the coronavirus. Like, it actually came from him rubbing the mic, and that was what ended the NBA season, even though that's obviously not what happened. He apologized for what he did. But I actually think Bam Adebayo is in that conversation as well. I mean, Joel Embiid is like the flashy option who gives you the points. Uh, Rudy Gobert is the guy who is absolutely elite defensively. But you look at the win share numbers, Bam Adebayo not that far behind Rudy Gobert in terms of defensive win shares or win shares in total. And he gives you the offense as well. He's a good passer. He's not quite Nikola Jokic, but he's a guy 23.6% assist rate last year. By the comparison, Rudy Gobert 6.5. I mean, Bam Adebayo over a 17% rebound rate. That wasn't the, you know quite the same as Rudy Gobert, who was at 22%. But Bam Adebayo was like your other all-around center who could get it done at the rim, who could pass if you know he was uh, caught at the top of the key. And he actually could hit a mid-range shot as well. A true shooting percentage of 60.6% for Bam Adebayo, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I would argue that it's a three-man race for center for the third team between him and Bede and Gobert. And I just, I'm mad at Gobert for what he did. It's, I don't think he caused the whole thing, but because of that, mentally, I can't vote for him. So I think I would go Bam out of Ohio here. Yeah, I think that's fair. So so my, my third team is going to be uh, Russell Westbrook. It's going to be Devin Booker, controversial or not. Chris Middleton, Jason. Actually, you know what? I'm going to rescind that. I'm going off the board. I'm going my boy Marcus Smart, third team All-NBA. I love Marcus Smart. It's my TV show. I get to do what I want. Middleton, Tatum, and uh, I am going to give it to Bam Adebayo as, uh, as our third team center. Uh, we're going to go ahead and head into our last break now. When we return, we are going to talk one of the most disappointing all-rookie teams of all time. A lot of bad players are going to get all-rookie this year. See you guys on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders, going through all of our NBA awards. Uh, before we dive into a disgusting all-rookie team, let's go ahead and nominate uh, our all-defensive player. I don't, I don't care that Rudy Gobert is uh, the cause of everything bad in the world and the universe that he is. Rudy Gobert is the super spreader of the coronavirus. He's the reason that we don't have pro sports in America. Ricky, I am going with my boy, Rudy Gobert. He's that good. He, he caused a global pandemic, and he's still so good that I'm voting for him for NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has not forgiven him, but Davis Maddock has. Uh, Correct. I'm, just, I'm going the chalk. Giannis Antetokounmpo led the league in defensive win shares. He led the league in defensive box plus minus, and he's probably the MVP. So what the hell? Give him the defensive player too. Uh, I, do you do you really like? Do you think that's fair? I I don't know. I don't. I do not know if that's fair. I think there there is a chance that Giannis is a good defensive player, but not defensive player of the year worthy. So one thing I noticed with the Bucks all year long is they were able to funnel teams. They literally forced the most three-point shots against them and were just dominant defensively in the paint. And I think that was a cooperative effort. With the, the guards forcing them inside and then Brooke Lopez and Giannis protecting the rim and Giannis being basically able to guard five positions. So from a defensive scheme, the way they guarded actually was – was very poor uh, for for players against them. Like obviously, every once in a while, you get an outlier shooting performance, but it was low percentage shots against them. So it was partially the scheme, but I think you needed Giannis to be part of that scheme to force people away from the basket. So like from that perspective, I do think it's warranted. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not arguing against it. Like Giannis, clearly, just by the factor of being that big and that athletic, it's uh, it's yeah. hard to uh, it's just it's hard to argue against him being a really impactful defensive player. Also, um, I I have heard it argued that Anthony Davis should be on that list. You know, I I, I don't really know if uh, I don't really know. I I guess my first team All NBA would my my first team All Defense would probably be like. Chris Paul, Marcus Smart, Giannis, Anthony Davis, and uh, Rudy Gobert. I think that would probably be my first team all defense. Might be, might be getting there on, uh, might be getting there on reputation for Chris Paul. But that was just off the top of my head. Who I thought was probably the most impactful. Yeah, I'd want to play a two center set because those are the ones who always put up the like defensive win share numbers, which makes sense because they're the last line of defense. But if you can play Anthony Davis a power forward, it makes it easier. I think it's Giannis, Anthony Davis, 
Gobert, I think you still probably have to put LeBron there, who was way up there in defensive win shares. Yeah, he's seventh in defensive win shares. Yeah, then it's, you know, pick your guard. And we can play. You can play LeBron at point guard in the uh, the death lineup. That's true. Kawhi still up there. I think I'd probably have him. You know, if it's one game, I think Kawhi Leonard would be excellent defending. So where am I? I'm Giannis Davis Gobert. I think I have a full team: Kawhi and LeBron James. Yeah, I think that um, I think that's probably fair. All right, we've been we've been putting it off literally to the end of the show. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just get done with our our first team all rookie. So there are. Three locks, which are uh, John Morant at point guard, Zion at power forward or center, whichever way you uh, you want to do that. And then I think I think uh, Brandon Clark as well uh, should should probably be should probably be in there. I mean, he was part of a team that is right now sitting in a playoff spot. No one expected them to make the playoffs. A lot of people probably expected they were going to be really bad. So I think I think those three guys are in there for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the last two spots, I mean, it could go any direction. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Clark was just awesome, by the way. He developed a shot, which we didn't really see coming. We thought coming out of the draft, he was a guy who would be great in the role in the pick and roll. 67% true shooting, ranked ninth in the NBA with Brandon Clark. So he was just, I mean, he was a guy who got a lot of his work done down by the basket. But if you watched him, he was shooting threes with a pretty smooth motion that he developed in the offseason. Uh, I thought he was really impressive. But then rounding it out, it gets difficult, and it depends what you prioritize. Kendrick Nunn started the season looking like he was going to end up on this list basically by default, and I don't think he was able to keep the momentum going. Um, I mean, 36% from behind the arc was was very nice, but it's like Cody... Kobe White was kind of ascending as the season ended. The final nine games of Kobe White's season, Davis, 24 points per game, over five assists per game. He had a 46-39-90 shooting uh, slash line. So 46 from the field, 39 from behind the arc, 90 from free throw during that nine-game stretch. And I know nine games doesn't make a season, but he was becoming one of the Bulls' top two options on offense, where I think Ken Nunn was kind of just – Whatever was happening that night was where he fell. And I think there's a case to be made that Kobe White is the next guard on this rookie team. I don't hate the idea of Kobe White just because, like, sure, reward reward the performances that you think are outstanding. You know, he was on a bad team, was playing off the bench for a ton of it. But, you know, did he play better at least for at least for stretches than Kendrick Nunn, than Terrence Davis, than Michael Porter Jr.? Sure, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he probably, I think he probably did. My the the guys that I would uh, fill that out with would be Tyler Hero. Um, I think yes. I, I think Nunn and Hero were the guys. They played. They were rookies who were forced to play meaningful minutes for a team that. What I think they're third in the East as it sits right now. Now maybe they aren't. Maybe they aren't. Uh, you know, actually the third best team in the East for a lot of different reasons. But I mean, those guys were super good. I mean, Tyler Hero is gonna have like a, a career as a three point shooter for a long time. But Kendrick Nunn, I mean, he just straight up came into the NBA and was giving like thirty minutes a night, 
15 points a game, three assists a game, was shooting good from the field, you know, 36% from three, uh, 52% effective field goal percentage. I mean, that like that guy, he could be the fourth best player on any team in the NBA. And uh, he was, you know, not uh, not like a, a highly touted player coming out of college or anything like that. No, he was undrafted because he had some character issues, shall we call it, coming out of Illinois. Uh, he was, I think he was arrested on a domestic battery charge. And then Illinois wow. caught him. He went to Oakland, I think uh, the University of Oakland, and then was undrafted out of there. But clearly he was a Division One quality player. It was just teams weren't willing to take a shot on all the rest of the package. But he turned out to be someone that the Miami Heat took a shot on, ended up starting him, and the rest is history, shall we say. But I think you can't leave Michael Porter Jr. out of this. Like, look, his performances were inconsistent, to say the least, but that was because of the role that they were affording him, basically. Towards the end of the year, when he started getting 20-plus minutes a game, we started to see why NBA scouts thought that this was, like, an elite scorer in the long term in the NBA. I think, you know, just for this year, certainly you can make the case to leave him off, but including future value in it. I think Michael Porter Jr. has the chance to be the third best player from this draft. And I just saw sparks of Michael Porter Jr. You play him 12 minutes, you could get 20 points out of him in the game. So it makes me wonder what a full-time Michael Porter Jr. could look like as soon as next year. I know that's kind of some foreshadowing to award a guy a team, but I think just because of this rookie class, he had to be a top five guy anyways. So what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have I don't have a real problem with that. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. So his per thirty six numbers pretty incredible. Per thirty six, nineteen points, uh, ten rebounds, was shooting fifty three percent from two point, shooting forty two percent from three on five point five attempts per thirty six minutes. Now the issue you run into is he started one game played 14 minutes per game and only played 670 minutes in uh, 48 games total. So not, uh, you know, not uh, a super star studded record in terms of, uh, you know, actually playing minutes. Some of the other guys that uh, deserve consideration for me, very similar to the arguments for Kendrick Nunn and Hierro, Matisse Thibel, just because he was either a starter or a sixth or seventh man for a team that we expect to be really good, a team that won a ton of games. Thibel, not a good offensive player uh, by any stretch of the imagination, basically, but was a very solid defensive player. I mean, one like I, I if he made a second team all defense or whatever this year, I don't think that we should be surprised. I also think there is another name that we have neglected to mention yet, which is Eric Pascal for the Golden State Warriors. 27 minutes a night, started 26 games. Now, he played on a really bad team, but he was 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, you know, and was able to you know, was able to be uh, a presence out there. And just in terms of, like, a, a bad rookie class, I mean, why why does Eric Pascal not deserve to be second-team all-rookie? Yeah, I remember the fantasy community calling him Draymond Pascal during his starts when everyone was injured just because he had to do everything by default. Um, he was more of a scorer and less of a passer, you know, during that time. And it was just from fantasy numbers. He wasn't actually anywhere near as good. But, you know, he he... Ended up being the number one scoring option when they needed him to be, which was weird from a jump shooting power forward. But hey, very weird. He, yeah. he got the he got the job done. 
some other names I think we need to mention. P.J. Washington, you know, just just de- you know, solid all-around player, good shooter. Um, but these are the names that I think had a shot to ascend if the season went on. Jackson Hayes um, was a guy who I, I thought was, brought the energy off the bench. Maybe maybe he isn't quite in the same tier as like as the season went on. I think we were going to see more good things from these players just because his opportunity was probably weaning with Derek Favors back. But Rui Hachimura and Kevin Porter Jr. were guys I think we clearly were going to see a lot more of if that season went on and we were just able to see them progress. Rui Hachimura, I think, has a chance to be a really good player for a really long time. I think he's just a solid power forward. He is, He's great by the basket, 71% shooting inside three feet of the basket. Uh, he's solid on mid-range jumpers. But Kevin Porter Jr. was one, a guy who looked like he could ascend to like the second scoring option on Cleveland. We saw it a few times. He dropped 30 points on the Heat in the game in February. Uh, I think Kevin Porter Jr. was a guy who they were going to start playing more minutes than Jetty Osman, and we were just going to see what he could do, and he looked like he could be real-life good. It's just the fact that he was kind of an afterthought for so much of the season, and he had just started to get it going that I don't think you could put him in the same combo. But I think if we played 82 games consecutively, all of a sudden Kevin Porter Jr. might be top 10. Some of the names we haven't discussed, who people are probably yelling at their uh, at their screens, R.J. Barrett, P.J. Washington, um, Cam Reddish, uh, Jarrett Culver. I mean, there, there were some people arguing, I'm sure, for DeAndre Hunter or Darius Garland, but uh, not, not quite making our list. So, everyone, thank you very much for watching and listening to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. Hope you are feeling entertained and informed about all of the various NBA awards voting. Don't think we'll see too much change here as we head into the final eight games of the regular season once everyone gets down to Orlando. Uh, We will see you back tomorrow with more educational and entertaining content. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.